The year is 1999. I'm Zach. I'm Charlotte. And this is My Marvelous Year. Welcome to My Marvel's Here, the comic book reading club where we go through the best of Marvel comics from its origins today. I'm Zach, the comic book journeyman. I'm joined by Charlotte, the comic book Rainbow Belt. And Charlotte, we have to get into EarthX right now because there's way too much to talk about. No time for jokes. No time for preamble. Give us money on Patreon if you want. iTunes reviews, blah, blah, blah. EarthX is a big comic and I have so much to talk about. Yep. <laughs> Are you ready to jump in? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Okay. Number one. Well, just to say... I don't write notes for My Marvelous Year, shocker to people. I don't write <laughs> notes anymore. Since like 1965, I used to write notes back when. And now I've decided it's much easier if I just read the comics like right before recording. Um, uh, I wrote notes for this one. Even so, this is still a very much like, this comic is big and sprawling and there's so much going on with it. And I'm sure I'm going to miss stuff and forget stuff and misinterpret stuff. Like, this is still very much a, it's like a, a still processing review. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very, lot. It's a lot to, percent, to process. Yeah, so like, you know, put, be generous if uh, if we just missed a point uh, in the comic, because I think there's a lot here and it's very easy to gloss over stuff. Like, I was reading a wiki page about this afterwards, and it said something about how the skull was the son of Comet Man. Did you get that? Did you oh, get I that have, detail? I, I've actually read Comet Man comics, but I didn't get that at all. No, I, I don't even know that. who Comet Man is, let alone that detail. So yeah, there's a lot here. Charlotte, the way I, I wanted to start this uh, this discussion is EarthX. It's a out of continuity, out of canon, like kind of alternative present and future of Marvel. Right? It kind of is like taking place roughly where Marvel is now, but it, it's it's a diverged. Um, like timeline almost not like officially not in continuity a diverged but, timeline but like yeah. continuity. it's kind of like an alternate future for the marvel universe because it's it yeah. diverged at the point comics were at at this point because it references scroll kill crew stuff like that's re recent from the 90s and just like yeah. just imagine if after this point in 99 uh, of marvel comics every like the the marvel universe went to a kind of dystopian uh, direction uh, and it also yeah. has some ex uh, elements of like marvel comics too uh, especially spider girl um like that's oh it has like elements spider girl of... comics are supposed to be also in continuity with that it has so many elements of both things that have happened and well tons of stuff that has happened but also stuff that like will happen like this comic is a huge influence yeah. on stuff there's so many little things here where i'm like this is a tiny little like half page detail here where i'm like in 2018, I saw a comic pick this up and run with it. This, it's wild. Okay. Yeah. But the first thing I want to say is, is this comic, this comic feels like the biggest reward for you and me and Dave, I guess he's not here. Uh, couldn't be bothered, I guess. Uh, and all the readers who have been reading along with my marvelous year, like this is a reward for having <laughs> gone through this journey because I think this comic <laughs> is very good. I also think it is incomprehensible 
unless you were very up to like up to date, up to snuff on your Marvel lore. Uh, do, yeah, do you think it, that's it, true? It, like, it kind of made me think of Avengers Endgame in that way. Of like, oh, this is very fun if you've seen everything. No, like, no, it's not. It's not like that because Avengers Endgame. Some people just watched Avengers Endgame, or they saw like I watched. You know, I I, I know people who are like I saw Iron Man. And I saw Black Panther, and then I watched Endgame, and it was great, and I loved it. You know, like, you can understand what's happening in Endgame, even if you haven't, like, stayed super up-to-date. Like, I don't know if this comic, like, literally makes sense. Like, I think you will be lost moment to moment. It's not just that you'll get more out of it. I think you won't get anything out of it if you are walking into this. I don't know, because it spends so much time being a recap of... Like, the stories of every Marvel character. Like, I think every issue every starts issue, with yeah. either yeah. the either Watu or Machine Man or someone else recapping mm-hmm. an origin story of a hero or a group of heroes or a Marvel Universe phenomenon. So I think it has, like, kind of that encyclopedia feeling to it of, uh, like, there are comics. I don't know if there had been any at this point, but there are, have been comic scenes that have been called the entire history of the Marvel Universe, which is just that in a comic form. And it kind of has that feel for most uh, most beginning of issues. So I, I don't know. I, I would be curious of, like, what uh, a person that has read, like, five Marvel comics before <laughs> reading this uh, would I, think. I, still I, think th- I mean, even if it explains all that, I think it's so much stuff. It is so... It like, is. It is. It's this... A- I mean, even for me, who, like, knows this stuff now... It's such an avalanche of references in history, and it's like, it does not hold your hand, really. Like, it, it does expect you just to keep up, it expects you to pay attention, and it, like, it demands your, it demands your attention, um, yeah. which is interesting and, like, kind of refreshing for a comic. You know, I always respond, I respond to comics that, like, really feel confident in what they're doing, but also saying, like, you have to work a little to, like, you know, get something out of this. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, maybe I, I'd be and curious. Also, like, but it's a comic with walls and walls of text. Every issue ends with at least four to five pages of just prose, and it's still like I still wanted to read everything, which never happens. <laughs> yeah, okay, so yeah, let, let's we can talk about that. There, there came a point. It, it's frustrating because for the club, I'm reading this on a deadline. Like, I had to rush this. Charlotte and I pushed our recording back two hours because it took me so much longer to read this than I thought it would. Um, even so, I, like, I think around issue six or so, I started to really skim that back matter. And I, I wonder, the back matter to me feels a little bit like a failure. Um, it feels less like less like just kind of fun fleshing out of stuff, like more does in Watchmen, of, like, if you want an expanded view of the universe, and more, like... I couldn't really fit everything in, and so I just have to, like, write it out in this kind of expository nature. Um, that, yeah. that stuff was frustrating to me, and I get the fun of it. Like, some of it's enjoyable, and it is fun to just to see, like, well, there's no room for, like, Wonder Man. He didn't have room to put Wonder Man and uh, what happened to Ultron, the Absorbing Man, in the main comic. So, like, we're going to push it to the back text and just kind of fill in these blanks through this, like, dialogue only, or this prose. Um but I, to me, to me, that's like a little bit of a failure of the comic. Um, and yeah, and part of that, I, I, I will admit, part of it is because I had to sit and read all like fourteen issues of this <laughs> this morning, and so there's like a deadline, and I felt pressured, and I was like, it's six. Like every comic here ends with like four to six pages of just text. 
So it, it is yeah, a lot. It feels um, like less like part of the comic and more like just encyclopedia, just adding some stuff on, but it's not mm-hmm. really part of the story. It's just. But sometimes it is. Like, sometimes I came across stuff there where I was like, well, this matters. Like, this is kind of... And, and, you know, maybe it gets brushed on later, but, like, if I hadn't read it yeah. here, I would be a little lost later when they touched on it. Um, so I, I think it does serve a function. I just think it's kind of a, a poor way of getting across that information. But kind of a small complaint, because if I wasn't on a, if I was on a deadline, I think I would have happily read all this and, like, enjoyed yeah. the bit, each bit of it, even if I don't think it's as strong as the comic. Um, we didn't say this is, uh, this is Jim Kruger writing this and art by John Paul Leone. Um based on the wikipedia says based on notes by alex ross which is interesting so i'm gonna refer to the writer as kruger but i think you know there's a lot here that like ross contributed to uh it's just it's hard to parse out exactly without yeah, from, diving from into what interviews I saw on the wiki i think uh, on wikipedia i think alex ross was asked on wizard magazine i think uh, like his thoughts on an idea for a dystopian future for the Marvel universe and he just all that recited from from that uh, and yes, I think most Ross's, of the concepts and yeah. costumes and everything are from, like, his ideas. Well, certainly, like, the designs, right? And we'll, we'll yeah. talk about the designs. And I, John, Piel, John Paul Leon's art here is incredible. But I think Ross is, like, so thoroughly embedded in both the art and the design and the, the actual world building here. Because at the end, the ends are, like, sketch pages of Ross's um, designs for all Concept these new dolls, characters, yeah. right? So, like, I, I think he... He was really at the forefront of that. Um, and he does the yeah. covers for all of them. So that's that's clearly him. Um, okay. So <laughs> where, where to even like start with this? Yeah. It is, it's, I, I think the, the big push of this comic, the big goal that I think that it's trying to achieve, and I think, I think it's a fool's goal, <laughs> is to create a unified theory of the Marvel Universe, right? Like, Here's a timeline, yeah. and here's it, and we've seen this done a bunch of times, but like with smaller, like on a smaller scale, like here's let's tie together all these bits of Avengers continuity into one big thing. We're seeing that with Busiak right now. This is like bigger than that because it's trying to tie in the Marvel universe as a whole into this one unified narrative. Like, where do all these powers come from? Why do these people have powers? Like, is there's there's a reason behind it? It's not just kind of a random collection of like like Spider Man and captain america and the avengers all cropping up you know roughly in the 60s this is not a coincidence right there's a reason behind this and we'll, we'll talk probably plot stuff as we go on but like it's trying to create this big unified thing mixing it with like a lot of philosophizing um you know like moral reasons for it right it's not just plot stuff like he's trying to create <laughs> these like moral conversations or sometimes like you know, stripping morality out of the conversation is a big part of this. Um, and, and that stuff is semi-successful. I think the plot stuff works surprisingly well. I think it it strikes me as, like, silly to try to square the circle of, like, here's 60 years of continuity by a t- dozens of different writers and, you know, all these different editorial teams, and let's try to make it all smush together. Yeah, Like, that's something I sometimes reject in, like, the way that fans and writers engage with like marvel and dc i feel like it's a necessary function of reading these comics that you have to suspend your disbelief and just buy like this might not match exactly what we've read in the past and that's because we have like forever comics right like spider-man always is going to be spider-man and that just means there's going to be contradictions you kind of just have to go along for the ride but i think this does 
an incredible job of because uh, it's not worried about reconciling the specifics of their histories. It's more like mm-hmm. tying the essence and the origins of those characters together in like one cohesive tapestry and the details will be left to every specific comics but there's like a big epic tapestry that ties all together and specifically linked to the celestials and like how powers came to earth um and yeah it's it's really successful at that and retroactively i i feel like i'm not even sure how much of it was already present in comics and how much of it i assume are present in comics because i know that i know it from more modern comics and i didn't know it came mm-hmm. from this uh, and i'm curious about it, like how much he's taking stuff from uh, probably like kirby comics and thor comics with the the eternals and deviants and the celestials stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah um, and how much he just like invents or like starts to 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 weave together which is interesting because this is an alt universe thing like it's not I don't know if he was more freed to, like, he had more freedom to tie stuff together and retcons, retcon stuff that isn't, wouldn't be canon to the main universe. Um, like, the fact that there's, like, every person on Earth has a part of a celestial seed and their actions and thoughts are influenced by that seed. Uh, mm-hmm. Which I yeah. don't think is canon in Six One Six. No, I, I think, I think initially they planned on making this like a canon thing, and then I think it yeah. sprawled out so big, and they felt like burdened by that, and just had kind of decided to make it an alternative, yeah, separate thing. Which is, I think, it's but for the best, like yeah, because yeah. but but Definitely. the the idea of the celest the celestials having come to Earth for some purpose and injecting their DNA or whatever it is uh, into Earth and being the reason why they are superheroes and tying that to the origins of mutants and the Inhumans and the Kree and the Scrolls. Yeah, that's a, that's and... all Kirby stuff for sure. I I don't know if like the specifics, like the exact specics of like it's to protect the Earth, like you know it having but this. It's dormant... taking bits of Kirby ideas and that person's ideas and that person's ideas, but I don't mm-hmm. know if there yeah. like there there had never been a comic that ties all of it together in one like. Right. Be cohesive. This is how the Marvel Universe stuff, and this is how everything is linked together, uh, from Spider-Man to the Celestials. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, again, I think pretty successful. And I think it's yeah. like it, it's impressive to me because it's something I use. Like it's impressive because I responded positively to it, even though it's something that I'm usually like I roll my eyes at that. Like it's like a nerdy fixation to be like. You know, story beats have to mean something, like, in some kind of plot consequence way, right? Like, Because can't usually just have... it's like, we're reading, I'm just reading a Thor comics, and for some reason they want to tie the Asgardians to the Celestials or something, and it's like, but why, why is this useful to the story you're telling outside of just fitting in the wiki? Um, yes, right. Here, it, like... it's, it's an impulse to, like, not let character beats and emotional beats be enough. It has to also matter, like, in a plot way ways you know like spider-man the person who killed spider-man or killed uncle yeah. ben like has to be somehow plot linked to a larger purpose and, and it makes spider-man's parents need to have been right yes yeah yeah and spider-man's Which parents have to have been murdered by yeah. the red skull right like even though that goes nowhere but yeah but he- here it's the opposite opposite effect because they're they're creating like they're using hundreds of characters like at least 20 main characters approximately approximately in, oh, across yeah more than 12 that probably, 14 yeah, issues yeah. and like uh-huh. having those central ties and themes to all characters it 
really helps the comic not feel disjointed. Like, it still feels like a very tight comic. Maybe not as tight as something like Marvel's, which is, like, way cleaner, I guess, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in the way yeah. it tells the story of the Marvel Universe. But, it, yeah, I, I was never lost. I was ne- I never felt like the main characters they choose to follow were, like, left behind. Like, I, at every point, I knew what... Uh, I basically knew what was going with any of the 20, 30 main characters. I'll, I'll say I knew like in general what was happening definitely like yeah. sometimes you get overwhelmed by detail or at least i did and like would lose a little bit of like okay i know i don't remember exactly like reed is trying to find the inhumans but i'm not quite sure i kind of i kind of miss why like some motivations become a little muddy and sometimes like the specifics of like you know <laughs> alicia master's powers were activated previously by that like this was the second time uh her celestial seed was germinated but you know, and it's like trying to differentiate plot-wise, like why she had her powers brought up twice. They were like activated two times, which gave her, you know, a heightened vision of humanity. Like th- there's stuff like that that gets brushed over just because of the sheer volume yeah. of detail here. But it doesn't feel, it, it feels like stuff that is craving like a second reading for me. Not that I'm like, fr- like, like there's a clarity to the main thrust of everything going on. So that, like, all the details and all the little bits feel like something that I'd want to, like, its depth to explore the second time, you know? Yeah. It, I mean, this is this is not Lord of the Rings, but it kind of has that thing where you read Lord of the Rings and there's all these little details that, um, you know, can, can kind of just wash over you. And then it's, like, through repeated readings and more, like, diving into this theory, like, oh, there's, you know, I don't know if he has stuff in mind for every little bit here. Um, it definitely... It definitely feels like it could be looser, but um, it does feel like a world that's very, like, clearly envisioned and, like, plotted out. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll say, I mean, it, it's definitely, like, it's, Marvel's is, you know, Marvel's is easy to read, and it's a nice, clear narrative, and this is not that. Like, I think this is kind of a big, sprawling snowball of, like, lots of stories all rolling forward. Um, but it's going for something much bigger and much more ambitious, I think, than, like, Marvel's was. Because yeah. Marvel's also kind of tried to attempt a like narrative history of the Marvel universe and tie these things all together. It didn't try to do it in quite so much like a plot way. Um, yeah, it, but it, it doesn't tried to do give it as one like perspective. The yeah. epic tapestry of Marvel. It does it as like from the point of view of the the everyman, which is a, yeah. a different yeah, exactly. task to to try to do. Um, and yeah. I'm like I'm fascinated at how much this succeeds as being a Marvel event in a way most Marvel events haven't. Like, this feels like a tight, successful event. And I don't know which Marvel event from, like, since we've started reading comes close to that. Right. I mean, we just read Avengers Forever. And, like, I don't want to trash that comic. You know, I think I landed on ultimately, like, it. it's just not for me. Um, For a lot of the same reasons that I think this is, like, a miracle to me. Because it's stuff that I usually would consider not for me. And it pulls it off. Yeah. Um, But, like, I don't think, I mean... I don't think this, you know, Avengers Forever holds a candle to this, right? I think this is so much more, like, ambitious and successful in that ambition um, than something like Avengers Forever. Okay, let, yeah. let's... <laughs> I have so many more bullet points to get to. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, something that surprised me is that this is the Eternals movie, the MCU Eternals film. Uh, it's the idea that the planet is just an egg for... A celestial to be born and humankind like the um, evolution of humans and the entire like the birth and inception of humans 
and their like cultivation was all put into place by the celestials to protect the planet to protect the egg so that a celestial could be hatched and then go off and yeah. create more celestials and like man does this i mean i didn't even really like the eternals does this make the Eternals seem so much worse <laughs> in how like <laughs> how lazy and shallow the like discussion around all that stuff is right the idea of you know like the purpose of humanity and i don't even want to say that this comic is like really really insightful about some of that stuff i think we'll, we'll get to like the kind of philosophical stuff of this comic but like <laughs> the eternals feels like you know uh elementary school stuff to like this is you know a freshman yeah. college course uh at, at least because like there, there's a lot of interesting thought-provoking stuff here with the um I, I mean the idea of like that this bigger grander life and this like cycle of life on a scale that like we can't imagine that then goes on to create like new cultures that's something that's like baked in the eternals like if the celestial isn't born it won't go create another planet that will have millions of years of like culture and society and giving up this one is just the price of like the furtherance of life in the universe it's a really interesting idea that the movie doesn't discuss at all this dives into it for some degree and i think like that's an interesting and relatable question right like there's a lot of angles you can tackle that from and i think this like starts to dive into it right you can talk about like rights of the individual over the rights of the whole i think there's even like and this is real fishy but like you know an abortion pro-life pro-choice thing you can get in here right like the rights of the individual of or the idea of like the future of life right like that's something you could dive into here and i think like this comic even starts to like like it got me thinking about that stuff in a way that eternals made me like roll my eyes i guess is yeah. what i'm saying <laughs> I, I don't know if this like packs all that in here but i think like it at least invites the questions in a much more um like mature way yeah um, and, and apologies to uh, Eternals, though, because I did accuse them of ripping off that whole thread thread from Steven Universe, uh, and I guess Steven Universe ripped it off from EarthX. So, yeah, I mean, um, it's it's interesting because why, like, the question why the why are the Eternals important to Marvel, and this is why because they are tied to the Celestial. It's not because they have interesting stories to like in the comics mm -hmm. or anything. It's just sure, because, yeah. like, law wise. They're tied to literally everything. The reason why anything has happened uh, mm -hmm. in the Marvel Universe. Even though, like, <laughs> they spent all of Earth X being, like, frozen in vibranium co cocoons. Oh, uh, thank God, <laughs> though, though, right? Space. Like, I mean, no, no offense to Kirby. I love so much of Kirby stuff, but the Eternals are so boring. Kirby on like, that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, yes, it is. It's true, though. I, I am not interested. Like, if the Eternals were big players here, I would probably zone out um, yeah i mean th literally the first time i've been interested in the eternals it's kieran gillen 2020 comics <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah 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 i haven't read that yet but uh, looking forward to it yeah um okay so yeah i guess i, I talked about it a little bit like the philosophizing of this comic it's it's the big tone of this comic because the um the narration boxes of this are generally conversations between two characters it starts out for like six issues between awatu the watcher and machine man who's being brought in as a new watcher because the watcher has been blinded and it's just many many conversations about humanity and philosophy and morality and this stuff sometimes worked and sometimes felt really forced to me i don't know how did you respond to that like 
that angle of this comic because it you know it talks a lot about like you know your ideas of good and evil are wrong-headed because you you know have this like morality is what leads to prejudice and you know all, all these different like ideas that this uh, this comic gets into did you respond how did you respond to that stuff I mean, it really hits the bits of, like, the Watcher says that they shouldn't intervene and they should let the Celestial Plan happen, and that uh, Machine Man should, should just, like, turn off everything that's emotional and attached to people and humanity in himself. And on mm-hmm. the other hand, he, Machine Man is like, no, I'm, I, like, how do we save them? What, what can we do? Why are you so cold and distant and non-reactive to this? Um, it was interesting, like, here, Watu is really, like... He's really a villain in a way that he yeah. he's never yeah. in season six. Like in six and six, he's always intervening and helping people. And here it feels like it's hard to reconcile with the version of him that would help humanity. Well, like no, they so... they even like square that circle by having the reasons that he helped be like yeah. this insidious. You know, like he he says like when I interfered, I don't interfere in human matters, right? Like I'm interfering for the Celestials. Like yeah. he gave the ultimate he. Because this introduces Galactus as a, uh, a like a checks and balance for the Celestials from destroying, becoming too numerous, and Galactus basically feeds on these embryos, and which you yeah. know it's like pretty loaded stuff. Uh, Galactus feeds on these embryos to keep the number of Celestials in check, um, and so like when, <laughs> when Galactus came to Earth, Awatu gave the ultimate nullifier to Reed Richards as an act of protecting like the Celestial embryo. Uh, it's yeah. interesting. You know, it's interesting is him as this, like, kind of, it's, uh, like, nihilistic, kind of fatalistic viewpoint, which almost mirrors um, the Red Skull here, who's another one of the new villains. Um, this is funny. I, we, we could talk about the Red Skull a little bit. He's just a nihilistic teenager. Uh, yeah. And that's it. Like, that's the thing. Red Skull is, like, the biggest supervillain threat. In this but he's, he's a nihilistic teenager who can, like, bend the world to his will by controlling any person, which is, like, a very interesting power to give to a nihilistic teenager. It's really interesting because he doesn't... It's, like, the the juxtaposition between what Captain America expects when he hears, like, the Red Skull is rising again and what he finds is really fun and, uh, like... Because he's just a kid who's, like, quoting movies and wants to just see, like... People get smushed because he thinks it's funny and he wants to, like, make wisecracks and he doesn't take anything seriously. Like, you don't even really feel like he takes his conquest that seriously. Like, he doesn't really care. Um, yeah. It, like, there's a world in which this doesn't work because it feels like, it could feel like old man yelling at the kids <laughs> a little bit. Love just being like, kids these days are so, you know, I guess, nihilistic. And so, like, you know, we've just been breeding, like, these little monsters who don't have respect for their elders <laughs> or something. But I think it I think it generally avoids that and comes out feeling actually kind of, like, prescient about the way that that kind of, like, shield of irony uh, is used to mask, like, these horrifying acts. Because that's... If you're online, that's a very common real thing with uh, young people is that, like, most... A good portion of uh, of Nazis online are not, like you know, died in the blood, they will defend it. It's all through this, like, mask of kind of nihilistic irony. Um, I think it kind of it kind of rings true to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it, it does, like you said, it does, like, mirror the 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 Watcher's point of view, who's like, love is love is a human construct who do- that doesn't mean anything, like, good and evil don't mean anything, and on the other hand, you have, like, the behavior of the, the actual human characters that, like, 
discover that they're basically germs is the way uh, Reed Richards puts it. Um, Mm -hmm. And like how they react to that and how they keep their humanity is like very fun and endearing uh, in a way. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And like how by the end, Captain America is forced to, to kill the the Red Skull and like you don't have the usual superhero base of like oh but we shouldn't kill the Nazi who's killing everyone even though he's the Nazi who's killing everyone <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and like no Captain America just kills him and like there we have many monologues of Captain America like realizing I like I had to change I can't keep the ideals I've had for the past hundred years because the world changes and so I have to also and that doesn't mean i'm being corrupted and like the fact that he only feels pity towards the red skull and he feels like he should like he felt him in a way that's like that's interesting mm-hmm. that's and that's a very good characterization of captain america it's i really like captain america in this comic he looks like yeah me too i know i i, I picture him i pictured him as bruce willis in this like he's bold and he has like a i think he the scars on his face with the shape on, of an A on his of forehead. An a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I like think. it's like carved into his forehead. Yeah, yeah, and he like he doesn't have any hair. He's just like completely bald with the the scars and the yeah. It's, it's yeah. I really like that. Uh, that um, it's a great know, costume. Design, isn't yeah. the right word, but yeah, that character design for for Katanenka. Like, like there there are lots of those in, in the comic. Um, yeah, like the yeah. It's also the, the the central themes that tie all the characters together are like very strong. And that's a huge part of why this uh, comic succeeds yeah yeah and and uh, I, I guess i have a point here a bullet point that just says ultimate universe um yeah and it's because i think like reading this we just finished covering the entirety of the ultimate universe you and i uh in yep. my ultimate in my ultimate year uh, you can find that on R. our R. patreon <laughs> and uh <laughs> yeah um and one of our like the big problems with that is that it doesn't really take big swings often enough like very rare like it feels so safe and it feels so you know like hewing to the past so often and it's like this and a lot of characters feel like just their 616 kind of parts transposed put in, into put into 2021 this, or whatever right it's yeah, like and auth x isn't the case at all it's incredible it's incredible how it's like like this this feels like it threads the needle of between like I know these characters. These are like the record, and, and it's different, right? Because it's not trying to do new origins and like completely recontextualize no, them. Yeah. I know it's it's not the same, but like the energy that's found here of like the core of these characters is something I recognize, and then it's made into something like new and um, fresh and exciting, and like you know, like some sometimes pretty bold stuff. I think um, you know, like I really like I like Daredevil here. Who's like a little bit more like a, really like a Daredevil. Johnny Blaze. He's like this immortal. Is but his is power... he Johnny Blaze? I don't know. I'm not sure. It might be. It, I mean, his mask. His mask kind of looks half Ultron, half Mephisto, and he's riding a big motorcycle. But he calls himself. Yeah. Daredevil. So like, as far as we know, Matt Murdock is dead. So that's not. Matt oh no, Murdock. we did it's... see because we saw him in like Death's Realm. Matt Murdock. So, or at least in yeah, the background we... of one of the shots, Daredevil dressed in green was like flying around. So. Um, I think yeah, the Daredevil, is, un- unless that was D-Man. <laughs> I don't know, because they say Daredevil died, like, a few years back, I think. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, like, so it, it, maybe it's not the Daredevil, but whatever. My, like, it's still my a twist on that theory, character. theory, which isn't at all in the comics, like, that's just my personal theory. I really like okay. the idea of that's being Deadpool, because his whole thing is, like, he can't die, and, like, and he, he does the, the crazy, like, Daredevil stunts, 
uh, where he gets impaled and half his body torn apart and he can die. And the only reason he joins Captain America is just to find some way to die. Maybe one enemy along the road will be the one to kill him. And like, he's mm -hmm. very like fun and joyful, but always like, oh, I hope that guy kills me. Oh, he looks strong. I hope he kills me. Like, that feels like... very, like, that's a very good Deadpool to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, that, like, that's an interesting twist on Deadpool for the yeah. ultimate universe, you know? <laughs> uh, kind of yeah, like, definitely. Like, more than shape shifting you've... Mojo Deadpool. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. That stuff's so boring. <laughs> I don't think you've played it, but uh, Metal Gear Solid 2. Who's a character like that, Fortune, who uh, who like cannot die and is just like seeking battle uh, because she yeah. wants to find a way to, to an opponent who will kill her. Um, yeah, so like I mean, just just the the freshness of how it like recontextualizes these characters like so many times over and over again. Um, Reed Richards as Doctor Doom, like having lost Sue and Jor <laughs> Jorney, <laughs> Jorney Jordan. Storm. Yeah, Jordan Storm. Yep. I know that guy. Um, and uh, having having lost Sue and Johnny, uh, has become Doctor Doom basically, but not like villainous. Like he's just a man. No, I really Doctor like Doom's how they explain armor. it of him. Like he feels like he's a villain in need of redemption, and so he takes on mm -hmm. that role by like being the new king of Latveria. But like he's not involved in very Latvian politics or anything. He's just like he lives in the castle. He wears the suit, but he's like only spending his days and nights trying to find some way to fix what he did or what he thinks he did. And the extra detail of uh, it's the only way to protect him from the Doom bots. <laughs> if oh, he wears yeah, Doom's, that's who, yeah. He wears Doom's armor so that the Doom bots don't attack him, which is fun. And as soon as he leaves, they all start to go wild and attack the Inhumans. Um, which, <laughs> not very nice of him to just yeah, leave to just and leave his off, guests yeah. behind knowing that <laughs> yeah. the Doom bots will attack them. It also, it's unafraid to like, this comic is really not precious about these characters, which I like. But it also doesn't have like this cynical like um jeff Loeb and the ultimates thing and of Miller, killing yeah. off characters yeah it feels like, like most of the characters are in like a very bad place and have made bad decisions mm -hmm. but it's they never go full-on nihilistic these characters are terrible people and you should feel bad for liking them totally. oh sure right yeah which no, is it's definitely often not that, where but mark like, miller kind of lo loses me and even with like the character deaths like you know it has a lot of characters who have died yeah, but it's usually like it feels like tragedy instead of just kind of some kind of like, I don't know, fun violence, which is often like the appeal of this is like watch your favorite Marvel superheroes get you know killed, in, which is you know I can admit like to liking Marvel zombies and having some fun watching you know like these sacred yeah, cows they were, get they work on up, very different not, levels. Totally, totally. Like when they when you first see the Inhumans teleporting using Lockjaw's antenna, like. Yeah, his you know just his antenna that's off of Lockjaw, and they just kind of mention in passing what happened to Lockjaw. Like it's sad, you know. Like you just feel like a, a sadness for whatever yeah, happened to like, Lockjaw, and you find a out huge eventually. Sense of grief throughout the comic. Mm -hmm. I feel like yeah, uh, like with every characters and every like he. I don't know why the the that's the one that sticks to my mind the most, but the death of Iron Man, who like mm -hmm. at this point Iron Man is like a germaphobe who just stays in his lair. And it's like a Howard like, Hughes figure, yeah. Yeah, has replaced the dead Avengers by, like, Iron Avengers uh, that are all, like, artificial intelligence that he controls. And he, like, never goes out. And the time he finally goes out, he, he transforms his whole house into a giant Iron Man celestial mech and goes to sacrifice himself uh, against the does, That's like <laughs> It does also do a good job of threading, like big superhero silliness and the like more serious beats yeah. of you know like grounded emotion because uh, 
you're right, like, Iron Man is a real tragic figure here, and I think they really sell that. But at the same time, he has created, like, a mecha suit, you know, like a Neon Genesis sized Iron Man yeah. bigger than that who in the bullets that that Iron Man fires are small Iron Man suits like he has a machine gun that then <laughs> fires human sized Iron Man and it's really cool <laughs> like I love yeah, that part. it is it is like genuinely cool and his death still feels like tragic yeah and, yeah yeah, yeah and like yeah the, and the small character moments well. like uh great and in a way that like you you usually only get in events because that's the only place where like characters all interact together uh, across titles where they wouldn't necessarily be interacting all the time. Like Reed mm-hmm. and Tony, for example, which is like an interesting relationship to me just for what they represent uh, in Marvel. And like the, I don't know what Tony says exactly when he dies, but like on the differences between him and, and Reed and the way they, they look at the word and their, the world and their inventions. Like, I think he says that Reed on, always knows what he's going to do and what he's aiming towards. And Tony was always just guessing at it and just like, lost as to what his purpose exactly is like th- there's a lot of very strong character moments and contrast between characters that like completely get the essence of those characters and totally. where, he gets these characters when these characters so work well. best yeah yeah, uh, yeah in a way like what yeah. ra- comic book writer has like can write so many huge marvel characters so well and getting what makes them work so well i i mean uh gm J.M. DiMatteis does a pretty good job. Yeah. And Walt Simonson, I actually think, like, when he handles different properties, like, okay, yeah. kind of gets That's a true. grasp on those characters. Like, I never felt like he was, didn't really get what made those characters tick when he was doing, like, Avengers or Fantastic Four. I think he also did a, I, you know, don't always love those comics, uh, but yeah. I think he had a good grasp. But yes, like, his Captain America, and it's interesting because it's not just he's doing a good Captain America. He's doing a good Captain America in this new context that he's putting them in. Like this does feel like a Captain America who's beaten down, but you can like still see the character that we know shining through that. And same with Namor and same with Spider-Man. Like, and I love the moment where like Spider-Man is, Spider-Man has quit. He's completely like checked out because everybody has superpowers in this world. And he's like, why do I need a Russian to save somebody when people can save themselves? And he's like, so disillusioned with his place in the world. And, like, <laughs> towards the end of this, uh, Peter Parker starts wearing the suit again, and Captain America and him meet up, and Captain America makes, like, a fat joke about him, something about, I, I can't remember, like, teases him for putting on a bunch of weight. I remember Ben Grimm saying that, uh, he, he said, did you get uh, bitten by a, like... A radioactive a... spare tire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a good I don't joke. love that uh, phobia, but that's a, that's a fun joke. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it's clever. And, like, it feels, uh, you know, good-natured. It feels playful, people. yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but, like, it has a moment of Peter Parker, like, Captain America teases him, and Peter Parker is, like, the grim one, and he's like, what does it say that you're cracking wise and I'm the straight man here, right? And it, like, it fits. Like, it feels like, yeah, yeah. this is Peter Parker at his worst, and this is Captain America at his worst, and they've, like, switched roles, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. in that moment, in the way that they react to stuff, but it still feels true to those characters it doesn't feel just like layering new character on top of what we already know uh it's yeah yeah, it's really it's really remarkable i i mean i think all that works really well the philosophy stuff i was saying like i think sometimes that is forced to fit like he's trying to create a philosophical framework to lay over top of a lot of the different like to explain character like silly silver age stuff like 
Silver Age silliness, he's trying to explain it, like, with a, a philosophical bent that then feels strained to me. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I don't even know if I have an example of when it doesn't. But, like, for ex- an example of just this happening in general, I think it's kind of fun, is talking about Xavier and Magneto. And Xavier started the X-Men, and Magneto started the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And Machine Man's like, if Magneto, you know, thought his cause was righteous, why would he call himself <laughs> the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants? Which is one of those silly, like, Silver Age things. Like, when we were reading those comics in the 60s, you're like, why would you ever call yourself the Evil Mutants? Right? Like, that's so silly, right? Yeah. Um, and he, like, explains that, like, Magneto wanted to force Professor X to then take the position of good, thereby him, like, he was the moralizing one who, di- who by contrast, is setting the, like, the goalposts of what is considered good and evil, meaning he, you know, became the prejudiced one, <laughs> right? Like, and... That's silly. I don't, I don't know how well that really works, but like it's trying to explain it and it's kind of fun. It's a yeah. fun explanation. I don't know what. I don't know if did Earthex like put that in because I I know that's the thing that was later put on. I I don't know if Earthex was the one to to do that. Mm, I feel like really? that I, yeah, I thought I had heard that been before in 90s comics before. Yeah, uh, well, it feels I'm, like people sure. rip this stuff off a lot. But anyway, yeah. like that's just an example. Uh, there's stuff like that all over this comic and some of it feels yeah. real sweaty and i'm like okay well that just felt like you know philosophy enough that you can twist it to fit different situations <laughs> and some of it felt like very hollow and very like freshman like freshman who just took a philosophy course but the thing is like i think kruger's a smart guy and i think you can tell through this i just think sometimes he can communicate that insight better than other times and sometimes it feels a little sweaty i guess <laughs> and him trying to yeah. like extrapolate on these ideas but like it, it's a small complaint uh, for me, and it, it, it's it's like a small thing that holds us back from being like truly excellent. Like Alan Moore, I think is also a very smart guy who is you know overlaying his his comics with all these themes. And I think he's a little more confident, and then just like letting the characters and the story speak for itself, and not having to just like have characters discuss it out loud, which is what happens here a lot. Um, which yeah. I I do think weakens it a little bit, even though some of that discussion is interesting and and i think he chooses the right characters to discuss it out loud like it's yeah. Yeah. it's watu and the um, the machine man on the moon and then john jameson the man, man wolf, wolf when he the son of jjj which is, <laughs> i yeah. love that inclusion and i love that he has a a, a spacesuit that is shaped for when he transforms into a wolf that's a mm-hmm. very fun detail yeah. it's good yeah yeah um yeah, and then Reed Richards shows up, and it's a conversation with yeah. Reed Richards. I will say that the <laughs> the characters that work that are, feel the weakest to me in the like the role they have and the place they're at uh, in EarthX is uh, Wolverine and Jean Grey, <laughs> who it, are just it, like okay, a, so <laughs> an old married couple who have grown old and fat and like keep arguing and have nothing else to do in the comic. <laughs> It's it's funny, like it's clearly just a joke. But I wrote here as a note, like Kruger is even less of a Claremont fan than I am, uh, which is which is something that like I wonder if you like I probably most people who are reading along with him in my MMY would notice this, but this is a comic that really excludes mutants, like mutants. Yeah. Uh, besides, like Stanley Jack Kirby. I mean, th- this is so much like worshiping of Stanley Jack Kirby stuff, clearly, but also John Byrne, <laughs> like. She Hulk's here, 
He references a bunch of John Byrne Fantastic Four. He references the John Byrne, Byrne Namor stuff where Namor becomes a businessman and like starts yep. like he shows Namor in a suit. Uh, like no alpha. Oh, well, we see Puck is dead. We see Puck in the Land of the Dead. So no real alpha flight. And I think that. like Guardian is the prince of Canada or something. There's a reference to it at the end, but yeah. yeah. Um, like he's clearly a fan of almost all of Marvel <laughs> except for the huge corner of X Men. Because, like, yeah, that's true. more or less nothing gets referenced from the Claremont era or, you know, post-Claremont I mean, the era The Claremont era characters are, like, scattered around and don't play big roles. Like, like Storm, Storm is married classes, to yeah. T'Challa, and, but in their scenes, it's like T'Challa is the central, is the focus. And Beast, like, Beast has white fur and is, like, T'Challa's head scientist or something. Wakanda, um, okay, Wakanda is one of the coolest, like, twists and, like, alterations here, um, which is, you know... T'Challa has transformed into an actual Black Panther, which is so sick. Um, there's, like, the designs of the Wakandans are so cool. Like, it's g- giraffe people, and there's, like, zebra centaurs. There's, like, elephants standing on two legs. Beast, yeah, Beast is blanched, and he's the White Wolf, right? This is the White Wolf from, we were just reading this in uh, Christopher Peace. Oh, you see, I thought it was like, no, I think it's Hank McCoy. No, it is, but I'm just saying, like, he's clearly standing oh, okay, in yeah. as, like the white wolf of this world i think which yeah. is weird it doesn't even make sense but like yeah, that's what he's doing here and then t'challa is married to storm but yeah like i mean even that is like maybe he got as far as giant size x-men <laughs> and then stopped reading <laughs> because the only the yeah. only other thing Senfire that i noticed is like king or emperor or something of japan like he's he's the one right, that represents yeah. the japanese i army. guess i guess there's some like silver samurai characters around but the only other thing i really noticed is the joke of <laughs> gene gray walking out on wolverine and being like i never told you but i'm actually madeline (laughs) (laughs) which is which is a funny joke but again like this comic is not interested in the last 25 years of x-men it's really it's yeah it's kind of remarkable and i feel like you might miss it and then all of a sudden you notice it and you're like wow this is kind of disrespectful (laughs) like if i was claremont and i read this i'd be like what am i chopped liver like, there's no new mutants here, right? The new mutants are not here. I think, think X-Force... part is, like, a part of... The, yeah, X-Force is a part of the Red Skull's, like, private guard But, like, thing. kind of just as, like, background designs. They're yeah. very minimally here. There, there's... I mean, Cable's not here. Uh, the, uh... Who am I think? X-Factor. Yeah, Exc- Excalibur like, is, like, here. frozen statues in Britain. The design of Captain Britain is really cool. Like, King Captain Britain looks well, really we, cool. Well, maybe we just talk design in general. Yeah. This, some of the, like, the designs here, and I think, I'm guessing they're mostly Alex Ross. I, I agree, like, Captain Britain is awesome. I like the Black Knight a lot. But these designs are so good, and, like, so good that there's a handful of these where I'm like, this is the best they've ever looked, and they should have just adopted this. Yeah. <laughs> like, they've never looked better. Like, Wyatt Wingfoot having the, um, kind of, like, totem pole bird, um like a native american bird carving as his mask in these big wooden looking wings yeah so cool that's great um i mentioned all the like wakandans that i mean it, it's not even like necessarily they get new costumes he just has retooled some of them so like the um the inhumans just look slightly different like medusa's hairline kind of goes down the arch of her nose it's just this I mean, really they've all had like design. in a way secondary mutations since like yeah presence marvel coming so they all look Kind of different, yeah. Like I said, Medusa has her hair. Like black her Bolt eyes. is wearing like a a thing of armor, a black suit of armor now. Which oh, Black Bolt looks incredible. Like you mm-hmm. don't see anything of his face, not even his eyes. Like he's fully covered. That's a really cool look for for Black Bolt. 
the other Inhumans, like, look less humans. Karnak looks a bit more like the leader with a huge head. Um, and Luna gets into her, like, has her own transformation here. Oh, um, yeah, she looks great at the end. And the Avengers yeah. have all been transformed into, like, the Iron Avengers. So it's the original crew, but they're just Iron Men. And, like, the Scarlet Witch... that, like, the original crew is all dead. And right, yeah, yeah. Iron Man created armors in, like, that look like them and kind of behave that, like them. Yeah. And they're great. Like, they, like, really... They call back to the original costumes, but, like, the yeah. Scarlet Witch Iron Man is so cool-looking. Yeah. Like, what a great design. Uh, like, my... totally classic stuff. My favorite part of, like, the new... My, my favorite moments where the new designs are shown off is when Captain America and Reed, I think, are going to, like, foreign countries and talking to foreign leaders who are, like, classic superheroes that we know. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah. you see how... what Like... Colossus's court in Russia looks amazing and Colossus looks great. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Sunfire has like, in Japan, he has like giant silver samurai armors, I guess. I don't know if they're mm-hmm. people or like yeah. big mech suits that are freaking great. Uh, well, Captain Britain looks great in Camelot. He has like a, a King Arthur look with his huge beard and bulked out uh, Captain Britain armor. Uh, like that's a very fun scenes of uh, going to every... Like just and seeing some, a lot of classic these have, superheroes as uh, as world leaders, they've just never looked better. Like some of these are yeah. just like this is cooler than you've ever looked and will ever look again, and it's kind of bonkers. I love the um, the Hulk design of uh, yeah, just, he like, looks kind like of, a straight kind of a gorilla. G- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely like clear, but it's not quite a gorilla. Like it's kind of a smush between like the feral Hulk of the like McFarland yeah. stuff. Um, actually, you know, you know what it? Oh, it's. I was gonna say, you know what it looks like? It looks like some of those Ross covers of a Mortal Hulk, and that's because Ross was designing it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Ross. But then the Hulk has like Bruce Banner and the Hulk have been kind of separated, and Bruce Banner mm-hmm. is just a kid who's like mm-hmm. linked to to a soul soulless Hulk, who's just like an extension of himself, kind of. It's not very clear. Yeah, you can. Very yeah, well, change. it's it's like he talks about gamma radiation. Like, the Hulk continues to absorb gamma radiation through his existence, which, like, continually evolves him. Um, unlike the other, like, creatures, <laughs> the other villains who have been, like, leaking gamma, which is what killed uh, Betsy Ross. Yeah. Um, and, uh, where is I going with this? The, oh, the idea is that, like, that's, like, that, it, you know, that's his explanation for the different manifestations of Hulk throughout the years. Is like, you know, yeah. it's been, he's just been continually evolving to the point where, he evolved to have his like soul almost separate from his physical being uh, and, and that leads to like being able to send the hulk the soulless hulk to hell <laughs> to like visit with marvell who's not even there um there's a whole thing with marvell at the end here but um okay so you mentioned the asgardians uh yeah they... we need to talk about thor and loki and yeah. i want to th- i want to talk about loki <laughs> okay go go for it go <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so it plays into a, a very fun thing of like, how the how do the Asgardians work? Are they aliens or gods or anything? And it's like, there were basically beings that came to Earth and were shaped by humans' belief, and so they became the Norse gods in that way. And so they started playing those roles not by choice, but because humans kind of made them do it. Like humans' beliefs transformed them into that, and so it's Loki it's an is old evil idea, because it's right? a very like, fun idea. Well, it's a fun idea, but it, it's 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 like a twist on a well-worn idea of like the gods only have power when they're being worshipped, right? Like, yeah. 
I think we see that in like all kinds of media, right? Like that's why God's like Neil Gaiman's American Gods and yeah, Percy Jackson. But, does that play with that? Like if the uh, gods are kind being of yeah, forgot like if they're Greeks, forgotten, yeah. they lose their power. But it's yeah. not even that. It's like their actual identities are formed by the projection of what people. It, I mean, it's also something like James Tynan played with in um, Department of Truth, with, like Tupa, yeah. right? Like it's the yeah. you know like thought made manifest. Um, yeah. But here, the way it yes. like the heroes, re- I don't know who it is, but one of the heroes realizes that they need Loki's help because Loki he is a liar who lies, and he's the one who's gonna realize that they've been lied to and their identities are false. And he breaks Loki breaks out of it and goes to the Asgardians for help to save Earth, basically. And Loki starts talking normally because he doesn't have to talk all Asgardian-like anymore, all Shakespearean-like, because he just, like, he realizes he can just be normal. That's not, He was forced into that identity and he was forced to be a villain by, like, the way myth works. And so you have that interaction in the court, in Odin's court, between Loki, who's, like, trying to convince the Asgardians to come help and that their identities are false and they don't have to talk, like fancy schmancy shakespearean and it's very ridiculous but very funny and thor is now a woman and i I was kind of glad that they just don't explain it just thor is a woman now but then they Mm -hmm. explain it and like loki tricks uh, odin something but it's it's not an explanation more than just like loki oh sorry go ahead yeah i mean it's just an explanation of like yeah i tricked you into turning her into a woman and that's it yeah which is (laughs) like there's, there's nothing more yeah, yeah. Uh, I this is like the start of why I love modern Loki, which is that he's of all the gods, he's the god who has the most to do with how myths work because he he's the god of lies and stories and like threading that uh, that and so he's the one who realized like how gods work and how that he he and every Norse god is a part of mythology and that they are influenced by how human minds perceive them and work and like that's that's why I love the character of Loki in in modern stuff and that's like to me that's the beginning of that and so yeah that I love that uh, for Loki like yeah that's that's interesting I didn't think about that like that he you know because he He's somebody who works with deception so much that he'd have more insight into, you know, the this large deception happening over them. What what yeah. I picked up on with this thing, because I, I think that's like, that's one of the, he has all kinds of little interesting ideas strewn throughout. And like I said, like some of them, it, it's like these big like explanations to try to tie stuff together into a cohesive whole. And like some of it works better than others, others but mostly works fine. Um, and this is an idea I really like latched onto because it's not just... Right, like I said, it's not just that they get their power from belief, it's that they get their identities from belief. And then, yeah. like, as soon as they're tied into that, like, there's a moment where Loki shows back up on Earth to fight the, the Celestials with the Avengers. He's like, and I'm not bad, I form the Avengers. <laughs> right, like, he's like, I'm a good guy now because I did this. And he's, like, talking himself into it, right? Like, yeah. and he says at one point that he can, like, I think he starts speaking Shakespearean and he feels, like the belief of people starting to like taint him again and he, yeah like, and he to, like he fight it. he goes like he kills himself in Odin's court to go to Helheim to go to hell mm-hmm. literally and to take the armies of Hela into battle and like during the battle every time they get killed he like tries to convince them no you're not dead you're alive like because mm-hmm. that belief will make them keep fighting and like Just what's his name scourge is that right so fun idea is it scourge yeah, scourge. Is scourge scourge is like are you telling me like the re- the reason I've always been so <laughs> ugly and like 
never, you know, was attractive to women and could never, like, whatever, like, all, all these negative traits of my character are just because people believed I was that. Like, he's mad <laughs> that, yeah. uh, at all this. It's it's really, uh, it's really impressive stuff. And then yeah. I think the interesting thing is I think what he's playing with here is, like, a meta level of the comic book reader yeah, for sure. pushing that onto characters, right? Like, and I don't know if this is necessarily bucking against the idea of comic book readers viewing characters and saying like that's not spider that's not my spider-man right like spider-man is who i think spider-man is <laughs> right like i have an yeah. idea of who this character is and that's who it has to be like i think there's this like i i think it is like feels like it's pushing back on the stiffness and the like unchanging nature of these long-term stories by saying like these characters are immutable because they are who they are and they're dictated by the people who believe in them and if you know if that changes then the characters change like the characters can be whoever they want to be if we just let go of those like very rigid ideas of who they are and i think that's that's yeah. like a fun it's a fun idea to play with and i always love a comic that i feel like is thumbing its nose is thumbing its nose at the nerds so like <laughs> i responded to that um, but it, yeah that's, that's a that's different really idea and once again that's why i love like i just spaced out for 20 seconds thinking about modern loki comics because <laughs> like that's a huge part of stuff that al ewing and karen gillens play with in the, in modern loki stuff and that's i'm very excited for you to read that and that's that's gonna be a yeah, cool conversation cool. but yeah that's like that's a big part of this comic with the asgardians and i really really like that about it mm. yeah cool um I'm, I'm interested uh because yeah that that stuff's uh, pretty fascinating. I think yeah. we might be at the end of my bullet points. I think that's all I had. Oh, uh, Jim Kruger, who wrote this, uh, also wrote a 12-issue miniseries for DC in 2005 to like 2007 with Alex Ross and I think one other artist involved. I'm sorry, I can't remember their name. Called Justice. So I am interested in that. It seems like another big sprawling like DC Universe story. And then he's done a stuff here and there. He's got his own comic book line. Um I think he worked in, like, some movies and stuff. But, like, he doesn't have a huge, like, Marvel DC footprint, it seems like. Except for starting the Earth-X thing. We'll talk... Let's yeah. end this with talking about the future of this, uh, like, comic line. Because there's more of these. Um, and then, also in 2005, he wrote the story for Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks, a PS2 game. <laughs> Which I think is really <laughs> funny. Uh, okay. Just comparing this comic uh, to something where he's writing uh, narratives for... Mortal Kombat spin-off games in 2005. Yeah. Uh, Jean-Paul Leon, he, I think, is most notable for being the artist on Static uh, back in Milestone Comics in the early 90s. He's the one who, like, started with Static number one. So um, I think that's his, like, big claim to fame besides this. This art, I don't think, we haven't really even talked about the art. That's incredible. It's this, like, really, it's so heavily inked. It's so clearly laid out. These big epic layouts of stuff. Um... It's, uh, I, I don't know, I, I'm assuming he did the colors too, because I didn't actually see a colorist. I think he might just be doing the whole thing um, on his own. I have to I have to look this up, actually. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm like, I'm so impressed with the art here, and bummed that we didn't get more. John Paul Leone died last year, uh, 2021. Oh. So yeah, yeah. He, he's young, 49, and he died of cancer. It's very sad. Um, his last thing is he worked on a uh, Jupiter, is it, oh god. Jupiter what's, what's the yeah, is that the Mark Miller thing? Oh, no, that's Jupiter Legacy. Jupiter's Legacy. Yeah, he worked on yeah. one, something with yeah, that no, with Jupiter Mark Miller. Movie, that's not the same yeah, movie. that's the, the yeah. Wachowski sisters thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Oh, it's uh, inked by Bill Reinhold, who, incredible inks. Like, the inking here is so good because it's so deeply shadowed. Yeah. So really good inks. Colors by Matt Hollingsworth, letters by Todd Klein. Um, something remarkable about this comic. These are big comics with a lot of, like, very detailed art. This feels like one of those comics you would not be surprised to find out, actually, you know, these 13 issues came out over, like, five years. <laughs> you know, even, like, Watchmen, yeah. where it was, like, Watchmen got really dragged out and was, like, month each issue was months late. No, nope, yeah. seems Which like I don't think like... is the case because I think the nope, last issue came, came out, out in time. the beginning of two thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, uh, it's really impressive. Uh, what else was I going to say? So let, let's talk about the legacy of this comics. Do, do people do people know about this comic? <laughs> I, I don't know. I didn't. I mean, I knew about it, but I I knew like. So, so there's two things. I knew stuff from the comic, but I didn't know it was from here. Like the stuff of tying everything together with the Celestials and why people think the, the Eternals are important and why people think mutants should be tied to Celestials, all that stuff. Like, that's all stuff I knew and there were, like, specific panels of Celestials and stuff like that that I knew, but I didn't know it was from here. And mm -hmm. then the things I knew about EarthX, in my mind, was, like, a longer what-if story, but I didn't think there was that much more to it. It's, like... I don't know how this is in the classic. I think it's. I. I mean, I think I can explain. Uh, I think. I think it's unfairly. It's probably slept on too much. Like I don't hear this talked about, and I didn't know about this yeah, comic until. Why? That's. that's I think my it's question. because you can't. Because it, it's totally inaccessible unless you're like a real Marvel head. I think. I mean, I think it's not Watchmen. You can't just pick it up. Like, I. I really think like if you were like kind of a novice at this stuff and you tried to read this comic, you would be frustrated. You know, and I think like yeah, maybe it's fine. Like it is what it is. It wants to. It's catering to people who are like really in this universe. And I think for those people who can unlock like the specific pleasures of this comic, I think it's really something special. But like it's it, it's a comic that like I think requires that homework. Um, and the other thing, the other aspect of it, even if that was not true, it is a dense comic that requires like it. It demands your attention and your. Yeah like effort to get through this like you cannot skim through this you cannot get the gist of it <laughs> right like it's part of the reason why like we started recording late today is because this comic it's only 12 13 issues usually like i can do that in two hours depending on the comic um but i immediately was like this is a comic i have to read yeah every panel i need to read all it. the narration yeah. like there's, there's a lot going on here and if you want to yeah. keep up and it will reward that right that that's the nice thing it's like they're some comics that also are like that that demand you really read every little bit to keep up and they don't that, that's not like respectful of your time <laughs> it's like a poorly constructed comic that's just putting all that information out there like in narrative boxes and it's kind of clumsy but i think this um you know re rewards that kind of close attention and close reading um yeah so i think those two things combine i mean it's kind of like electro assassin i think that comic is incredible and i get why it's not a classic because it's kind of a tough read it's a dense like yeah. it's a dense read and it's a confusing read and it like you know it requires you to really lean in and pay attention um it's not to say like a comic like that is just naturally better um but i, I do understand it's, it's this barrier to entry there so there's a lot more of this uh this was followed up by let's see universe x which went from I think yeah. there's another 14 issues of Universe X from 2000 September 2000 to November 2001. So there are 14 issues called Paradise X that went from April 2002 to November 2003, and then Marvel's X, which went from January 2020 to October 2020. 
which is interesting. Yeah, so like they took yeah. like 16 years off and then came back to this. Uh, which I think Marvel's like the other two are sequels, and I think Marvel's X is a prequel to Earth X. Like that's just, yep. that's yeah. that happens before. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'll say that right now, an hour and some change after finishing reading this, the idea of more of this is uh, absolutely exhausting to me. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I can't. I don't have it in me at all. But that will probably change after I get a little space and time away from this comic. Uh, yeah. It is a comic that took all my morning and a lot of like I would, it wasn't a breeze like i really enjoyed it but it's not a breeze and right now reading another yeah. 14 of this seems awful but that would probably change uh given some time i don't know how well regarded those are i'm curious um yeah I'm cu- i think i i don't know if they're as well regarded but i know there's some stuff like issues not being finished or like stories not being finished uh, because of didn't work uh, as well at least it wasn't as popular um mm. so yeah have to look oh yeah the paradise x series was but yeah i'm oh, sorry the paradise x series was never properly concluded due to editorial no. interference midway through publication due to dwindling sales the x and a specials were both reduced from double size and the intending ending wasn't used uh kruger was dismayed and yeah so it seems like it kind of fell apart at the end there which is a bummer which like i'm honestly surprised that this got two follow-up comics because it's you know like i i can see this being a comic that did not sell well i don't know if it sold well but like you know i again i think you have to be a real marvel head <laughs> to, to crack this one um yeah. which is fun like you know what this is one of the it happens sometimes this is one of the first times where i'm like very grateful for all the marvel reading we did because like that led to a much more fun experience here and i i get the impulse like clearly i start like i'm the one who pitched this podcast because i wanted to do this like i get the impulse to want to read and like know all that history but like at my core, I generally feel like the comics shouldn't really require that, and actually don't require that most of the time. That like, if you can kind of let go of your impulse to to know what everything means, if you can kind of just go along for the ride, you'll generally be fine jumping into superhero comics. Yeah. But like this being an exception, I was very glad to be like on the inside for this one. Hey, it's it's fun. That's why I love comics. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it rewarding, it, and it's like this, yeah, it's which yeah, like I said, I'm really curious to know like. And maybe I'm just completely wrong. I feel like maybe it could be readable, maybe even if you don't. Probably not as like something as like Watchmen or, or even Marvels, but I don't know. I feel like you. I, well, I don't we'll know. Pull, we can uh, pull the uh, the club. You know, we'll, yeah, we'll talk. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm curious. Uh, Universe X is Dave has it listed in the tw- 2001 bonus reading section. We'll see if that changes. Uh, if he wants yeah. to read more of this, I think by 2001, that's you know, a few months away like two or three months away before we get there so if uh if that starts to if that gets included here i don't think i'd be too bummed out but we'll defer to dave on that um yeah i think that's oh uh one thing i want to mention the thing is so good here (laughs) uh yeah and his kids and then alicia yeah yeah it's it's like i mean it is nice just to see a happy thing you know like who gets what he you know like has always wanted and desired um, who and then who like lets himself be happy so that's nice but also like kruger really gets his voice like yeah better than like i mean burn did a really good job with the thing but he wasn't around that much in burn's run um besides that like i'm trying to think like yeah post, Kirby and post burn, stan like... lee who really nails his voice yeah. and it's very few um but kruger yeah. really gets him like and it's not just like playing the the hits because like he has there, there's like jokes here that you feel like stanley wouldn't do 
like that are like evolving the character past Stanley. Like I love the <laughs> I love the moment when him and Reed like Reed comes back to him and they're like down in this basement, uh, the thing's basement trying to find some schematics or something and Reed mentions the Inhumans or something. Is it the Inhumans? And uh and thing says something like about Medusa and he's like, "Is yeah, she still a babe?" And then uh Alicia like yells down for him and he gets all like sputters and is like oh uh, nothing nothing honey like it's not even that yeah, funny saying that, it out loud but it's just really cute but the way it that it's really like, well. and I really it, like the, the art on him getting startled is hilarious like the reed is basically trying to find out how what he did or like trying to to solve a mystery and like you have a whole scene of in every panel there's a bubble of reed like findings like continuing his train of thought uh, on the thing he's trying to understand and at the same time ben having an, a whole conversation with reed as if reed is responding about like what's going on with him internally like what he's thinking about so the fact that he feels like the stuff with his marriage with alicia and he feels like maybe he thinks too much and maybe like it's a very fun scene and like mm-hmm. yeah. it makes me like ben and reed's relationship in a way that i, mm-hmm. I will never because yeah. i don't particularly like reed richards but this like yeah i get for the way they're friends like they they work well together totally totally and like in the things a good dad it like makes me want like yeah and he has thing two dad. things <laughs> Well, and the kids are just things, Chucking. too, which is really yeah. <laughs> just funny. And also, you don't want to think about it too much because poor Nope. Alicia. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, oh, yeah. No. <laughs> but, like, yes, it's really cute that they're just both little things. Um, yeah. yeah. Does, do we get their names? I think there's one is Chuck and the other one is... Ah, I can remember. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's, very, it's very cute and sweet. And he, like, invites the Inhumans over for dinner, which is, like, a great scene. And it's just, like... It really gets that character, and it takes the time. Like, it, it's it's strange, but the character does uh, the co- character. The comic does allow time for these like character moments and these like smaller character beats that I think yeah. are really important to things working. He basically like he's basically the the home for every superhero friend that needs help. Because at the moment where Reed and I don't know who's with Reed, but Reed comes to to Ben. Ben's like, oh, we're, they're staying for dinner. Like, cook more and like. Adam Wallach and I don't even know who's the other one, but they're just living and it feels like they just had a therapy with Ben. Like they just mm-hmm. asked Ben for for help with the problem, and like feels like every t- like that's probably daily for Ben. Like superhero superhero friends coming to him for for advice and help. That's yeah, like, he's like the sage. That's what old. I love for for Ben. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. I mean, there is the, there's there's that does feed into what I was talking about with the Red Skull, where like. I did feel like there was an underlying resistance to the new and hewing to the past somewhat in the, like, the themes of this comic with, um, you know, like, a lot of the issues, the the negative things that are happening have to do with, like, evolution here. Like, things moving too fast, people, you know, like, what's happening now is scary and new and dangerous and what is old is what should be, like more clung to <laughs> a little bit and it but it's not i guess i i could be misinterpreting it because there's also maybe a thing of heroes not being able to adapt to the present you know and like the present is overtaking them and they don't, like peter parker doesn't know what to do with it but then yeah. the comic solution does seem to be for them to not lose hope and then just basically pick up the pieces of what they used to do so i i don't know um you know it's, it's a comic that i i feel like i would get more like 
every time I read it, I think I would get a, a clearer idea of what's going on. And, you know, there's, I'm sure there's a lot more to chew on yeah, than, I mean, uh, mean, than I picked is, up on this one reading. It is more interested in the classic Silver Age characters than any other, like, oh, sure. a sort of machine man. I don't know. I don't know which characters are like more recent than the Stanley Jack Kirby days, as far as like the main characters go. Um, oh yeah, none. Like yeah, like for main characters, I don't know. Any. <laughs> I, uh, I, I just say... realized that they talk <laughs> yeah. about this comics talks about Skull Kill Crew more than it talks about Kitty Pride or Nightcrawler. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know, the Skull Kill Which is mention is pretty cool. Like, it goes into yeah. depth about that stuff. Uh, I mean, yeah. there's also I, I something else I feel like you could r- have a bit of a eyebrow raise towards is it does, like, the... the it talks about Hitler a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, I wanted to bring that up. Because he, he tries to tie the... Like, in the way he ties every superhero cosmic stuff together... He also t- ties World War II and Captain America, but also Hitler with that. Mm-hmm. And, like, and like, with the idea Hitler's... that everything people do is influenced by the celestial seed in them. And like, right. yeah. goes the, the, the idea goal of having the egg hatch. Like, the idea is that Hitler was trying to create a master race because he was influenced by the celestial hatch. And like, Be- because that egg is like ideals. seeping that idea out into the world. Yeah. Yeah. And they, yeah. and I think they literally say that, oh, no human being could be that evil. And it's like, ah. yeah. 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 That's that stuff. Like, and, and there's a bunch of kind of equivocating about Hitler's, like, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, he, he discusses Hitler and the Holocaust more than once. And in a few times, I'm like, you're kind of making these big brush, like, the. The Nazis killed Jews because they hated the Jews, and then they kill, and then they hated the Jews because they killed them. And I'm like, okay, I mean, I kind of get what you're saying there, right? Like, like a post hoc rationalization of, you know, once you put somebody in that position of, uh, what's the word, uh, like, like once you're starting degrading somebody to that degree, then you start just hating them for the position you put them in. Like, I, I get kind of what he's getting at, but at the same time, like, it's a little glib. Uh, the stuff he's like playing around with here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I'm glad we we brought that up because th- some of that stuff feeds into the like when I was talking about about him overlaying like big philosophical ideas over Marvel stuff and I guess real world stuff sometimes feels kind of like well you j- it feels like you kind of just felt like you had to say something about this event and like tie it into a bigger more like the morality play that the watcher is seeing uh, and it doesn't always like click so yeah um anything else man uh so much probably here. a ton of stuff but yeah <laughs> right now, yeah yeah, that, that yeah much, i think that uh, that probably yeah. that probably covers it um thank you thank you for, for listening i hope uh, i hope people like this episode this was a fun one to yeah. talk about and uh i'm glad we dove in i'm bummed that dave wasn't here uh I think dave really likes this comic so uh, i i'm curious I, I hope he listens to this uh and i wonder if he likes it as much as we did even because <laughs> i actually yeah, got i got the we, feeling we he really t- likes it but i don't know if he yeah. likes it as much as we did yeah i hope we get to talk about it again if we like cover even parts of paradise x or universe x mm-hmm. um, yeah i'd be, be curious maybe i'll bring it up on the next variant uh, yeah definitely. just mention yeah. well the next variant will be out before this episode so two variants from now in yeah. my timeline <laughs> one variant in the listener's timeline <laughs> i'll uh maybe we'll ask him and get his take on it a quick five um because yeah. i am curious all right well thank you everyone for listening if you want to support the show you can go to patreon.com slash my marvelous year for a dollar a month you can get access to our spreadsheet 
for all of my Marvelous Year, my Ultimate Year, and the upcoming Extra Issues show, uh, which is going to be coming out on our Patreon feed at the $5 level six months early, just like my Ultimate Year did. The first episode, the first theme. Actually, Charlotte, let's decide. What do we want to call these right now? Do we want to call it a theme? Do we want to call it a season? Do we want to call it a (laughs) mini-series? You're the number one hater of calling anything that is in TV seasons, aren't you? That's a good point. Yeah, I don't want season. Actually, you know <laughs> what? Mm, I've Maybe I've relented on that because I kind of like when comic series do seasons now of like, we're going to do arcs of the Green Lantern, like Morrison's you Green Lantern. You hated when I told you Webtoons do seasons. Yeah, I do hate it for Webtoons. And Webtoons are I comics. Just, so. I kind of just hate Web. Are they actual comics or are they just children scribbling with crayons? <laughs> All right, sorry, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Please don't uh-huh. cancel. Are me. you though? Uh, You're only mostly, half kidding, I think. I'm most, I'm mostly kidding. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. But please do not get I mean, mad at me, uh, people online. Um, do you want to no, call but, them like Ox, and the each episode is an issue? That doesn't make sense to outside. I mean, I, what about miniseries? I like miniseries. We're gonna do this miniseries about. Uh, so but it feels like it's confusing because we can do miniseries talking about miniseries. Hmm. No, no, we won't do that. I mean, maybe we can, but that's gonna be rare. Um, no, but I Blank mean, ch- we are gonna talk about miniseries. Like Watchmen is a miniseries. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you know we'll what I mean. It out. Anyway, the first theme that we're covering is superhero subversions. We're gonna be covering Watchmen, Planetary, The Boys, Peter Cannon, Thunderbolt, and Miracle Man, and then a listener pick, which we haven't done yet. Uh, that episode should be out. If it's not out already, it should be out shortly on the Patreon, and it'll be six months early access. If you're listening on our public feed and the you're not donating on Patreon, hmm? the Watchmen episode, to be clear, like all yes, of these yeah, are yeah. different. Oh episodes. yeah, those are those are different episodes that'll be coming out monthly. Yeah. And um, if you're listening on the public feed, it's going to be in the My Marvelous Year feed, and it will be out uh, roughly six months in public. So. Yeah. Uh, check that out if you're interested. Yes, please. Uh, in our Slack. Our Slack's five bucks. It's really great. Uh, Charlotte's been in there a lot more lately, so lots of funny jokes from her. <laughs> She's so funny. Charlotte, you're very funny. Feels like shade at me for not having been around for like the past three months or something. <laughs> only only a little bit, but uh, yep. mostly because it's so uh, so much fun when you do. Yeah, it is. There. It is. Um, okay. Thank you, Charlotte. Thank you, listeners. Yeah, thank the music you. is by Disasterpiece. And we will see you next year. See you next year.